Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? The church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is where our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So, Christian, how are you feeling today? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps that question sung by Alan Jackson describes precisely how you are feeling today. Your soul is weary and troubled. That is a Greek word, a bit of a junk drawer word to define the emotions that we have When the future looks bleak, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he turned his attention off of himself onto the disciples and told them to not let their hearts be troubled. And then he gives a command, believe in God, believe also in me. That helps us to describe precisely what Jesus is talking about And the command that you and I must obey to not let our hearts be troubled. Here's where things get a bit tricky, but only for a season. If you go back just a chapter, Jesus' heart was troubled. Go back a chapter before that in John chapter 12, his heart was troubled. Jesus, he demonstrates for us that there are troubles that can cause us to be heavy hearted and to even perhaps be concerned about the future and a bad event coming. What were the things that troubled Jesus? His friend was going to betray him. It grieved him that a loved one was going to wound him deeply. His heart was heavy because he was going to the cross to face pain and death. It is okay to be troubled about an illness, pain, malady, or facing death. Jesus also demonstrated that it is okay to let your heart be troubled when a loved one dies, just like he did in John chapter 11 with the death of Lazarus. His heart was troubled. There are times when it is okay to be heavy, and yet Jesus, when he commands us in John 14, 1, to not let our hearts be troubled, he gives us a command And he describes the type of sinful troubling that you and I must be on the alert for when he tells the disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. He's telling them that if you have the worry, the concerns, the carking cares that feel hopeless, where it is so bleak, nothing but terror and bad is going to come out of this. There's no solution. There's no hope. Life is lost if this event does not happen then you're being a faithless worrier. It is not to suggest you're not saved, but it is to demonstrate that we are having a very little faith. Do you remember that phrase? 
Oh, you of little faith. Jesus uses it four times in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, on the Sermon of the Mount, you're worried about stuff. Remember, this is not being mindful of something coming down the pike and wanting to be prepared for it. That's fine. That's not sinful. It's nail-biting, faithless worrying that Jesus is after. Oh, you of little faith. And then in Matthew chapter 8, we see the disciples exhibiting a little faith when they panic in the boat. Jesus says to them, oh, you of little faith. It does not mean the disciples weren't believers. It meant that they were not believing well. They weren't believing rightly. They weren't believing in him. Remember John 14, 1, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. There's the remedy for a troubled heart, believing in God. When we don't believe in God, we have a little faith. Or when we put our faith in a puny object ourselves, we have a little faith. Jesus repeats this lesson for the disciples repeatedly in the Gospel of Matthew. Peter is walking on water. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. The disciples are in a panic. They had just seen Jesus feed thousands. They're out of bread again. And they wonder, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, don't you remember? And in those two object lessons about having a little faith, I think that we have the remedy. How do you and I cope in a world that feels like it is crumbling right underneath our feet? And depending on which pontificator you listen to, whoa, this is this is going to get really ugly. This is not any sort of prognostication about whether or not persecution will be a 7, a 9.2. I don't know. But it does look like things are changing. To what extreme? Time alone will tell. Nobody on radio can tell you exactly how this is going to go down. But we can talk about how we live while perhaps it does. Is your soul weary and troubled? What is the solution? Well, we see it, first of all, with the disciples when they failed to be calm about the bread panic. Jesus said to them, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Look at the stuff that I did for these people. I've already done this. I've got this. Don't you remember? And that's a key to not having your soul being troubled, to not exercising a little faith, believing that Jesus has done this before and he has got this. In the Old Testament, we see this regularly in the Psalms, don't we? God reminds the people and tells them, don't forget these things. Well, I think it's Psalm 1. It's in the 100s. Do you remember? Og, king of Bashan. How, how we you had victory over them. Remember that so that your heart isn't troubled. If you are perhaps fearful right now because of what the future might hold, remember who holds you. God is strong. God is mighty. He has most certainly proven himself. He tells you that he cares for you more than a sparrow or the lilies of the field, and he takes care of them constantly. Don't be of little faith. Remember. But then 
We also see Jesus giving some advice, and we get it revealed to us in Matthew chapter 14. Peter's walking on water. It's going well. He's living in a time when capitalism and democracy are working just fine, if you will. But then what does the text tell us? He takes his eyes off of Jesus. And when he does that, he begins to sink. Why did he take his eyes off of Jesus? Don't know for sure. We can only have a little sanctified imagination. Maybe he thought, I've got this. Perhaps he thought he didn't need to keep his eyes focused on the one who was keeping him afloat. And that is what happens to us when we fail to turn our eyes upon Jesus. You and I, if you will, we're going to sink. That is the remedy for your carking cares. Remember Jesus, what he has done, what he has promised to do, how he reveals that he delivers on that promise in the book of Revelation, and how he keeps his eyes on the sparrow. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace Got a question for you, Christian warrior. Is it possible that you have been of late, failing to remember the simplicity that is in Christ. Is it possible that you have taken your Christian theology and you have so turned your eyes, with it or without it, into other spheres and specter, sectors and realms of authority and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, you have lost the simplicity that is the Christian faith. I'm not suggesting we should be simpletons, but there is a simplicity that is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 11. And maybe, just maybe, what the Lord is revealing in your carking cares, in your fretful worrying about the future, is that it is time for you and for me to go back to the old, old stories and to reclaim the simplicity that is in Christ and turn our eyes upon Jesus, lest we sink. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians 
who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasounds, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Attributes of God You can trust in God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that God is immutable. He does not change. He is faithful to fulfill His promises just as much today as when the Bible was written. You can rest assured that His Word is still true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Are you really living? This is Wretched Radio. Question, if I asked you what it means to really live, to really have joy, to have perspective, to not be concerned about political events, to not be concerned about what's happening in Washington, D.C., what would it take for you to really live? I mean, really live. If anywhere in your fabric, there's something that would provide for you comfort and joy, safety, security, peace and rest, that isn't Jesus, then you're not really living. According to the internet, because I I studied the entire thing, 
there are a lot of Christians who are really, I, I think it goes past worry. It is, they're, they're, they're terrified about the future. And I get it. This is different. This is a challenge. This is not what we expected. We're having conversations about our country that we didn't even dream about a decade or two ago. And perhaps you are one of the many, many Christians. This is not an uncommon malady, but it is a malady. And Jesus gives us instructions for getting over our fears. And I would like to take you to two verses that I think might surprise you. 2 Corinthians 11, a bit of a tricky section of Scripture in that Jesus, uh, Paul rather, is being very sarcastic. It appears that there are really two different groups of people that are invading and infecting the Corinthian church. You had the Judaizers. They wanted to add to the law. And then you had the Greek Gnostics, the early form of Gnosticism, a dualism, a a, a special knowledge group of people, high-minded, highfalutin. And they would judge a speaker based on how much money they received from their hearers, how rhetorically savvy they were, the big words that they used. And they were inside the church. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians to deal with these people. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 11, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. So he's going to be sarcastic gives us permission to be sarcastic, too, if we do it rightly. And indeed, you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. Godly jealousy is okay. For I have betrothed you to one husband. This is the friend of the bridegroom in the first century. This was the one who was really responsible for helping the bride and groom. This, the, the, the friend of the bride was Neil Clark Warren, was, was eHarmony, if you will. Got the two matched up, and then while the betrothal year was taking place and the the spouse, the male, was away, he made sure that the female was protected, remained pure, so that when they came together, when the bridegroom arrived, everything was ready, and they would celebrate. Paul puts himself in that position. I introduced you to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure that you're ready And so I'm really, really jealous for you. You can hear his heart in this. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 3. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I'm wondering if you and I have lost our simplicity that is in Christ. Want to be tricky that we don't whiplash into another ditch here. I'm not sure there's anybody who loves theology and really rich, deep sermons more than I do. And yet, I wonder if much of our preaching has lost some of its simplicity. I I wonder if, for those of us who tend to be more conservative biblicists, we have perhaps been enjoying so much about the Bible that we've lost our simplicity in Christ, the old, old story, just the very basic stuff. I have a confession to make. I am sick and tired of hearing about how wonderful the gospel is. 
I'm tired of it for two reasons. Number one, nobody's actually preaching it. They just tell us how wonderful the gospel is, but I never hear how wonderful the gospel is. Second, I don't worship the gospel. I am a slave to King Jesus Christ. It is Jesus that our eyes need to be fixed on, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't just talk about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Everything is gospel these days, gospelicious. It's gospel magnificent. It, don't you love the gospel? Um, actually, I love Jesus. That's who I love. And that is who I want to hear about. And while I still want deep theological sermons, I also want the simplicity that is in Christ. And surprisingly, I don't think that I'm the only one. In doing a little research on the simplicity that is in Christ, I stumbled across W.A. Criswell, preacher back in the early 80s, late 70s. And this is his take on this particular verse, the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, not that some of us would do it maliciously, he preached willfully, on purpose, but I often wonder if our much preaching and our much talking and our much philosophizing and our much theologizing, I wonder if we do not cover over the plain, simple message of salvation, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I wonder if the way we present Jesus and talk about him and say things and write things, sometimes I wonder if it isn't like a man way up in the attic of an old house and he's looking out of a window and there are cobwebs of a hundred years that are sewn, that are woven all over the pane of glass. Sometimes I wonder if we don't make the gospel of the Son of God like that. So covered it over with our philosophizing, our theologizing, our explanations, our extenuations, our preaching, and our sermons until a man can hardly find the pain. Simple truth, plain, simple truth of the revelation of God in Christ Jesus. For after all, however the man may write a heavy tome of theology, and however the preacher may preach about it, this fact everlastingly remains that the great central heart and core of the message of the Son of God is always plain and simple. Perhaps that is the source of your fears, that it has been a while since you've heard about the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, perhaps you've taken your Christian theology, true truth, the real truth, total capital T truth, to bring it into other realms. That's good because our theology does infect every part of the world. Because remember, everything that exists is really under God's realm of authority. And so anything that we study or see, if we do not bring our Bibles into that realm, we're not going to understand it rightly. And so it is, we marched into the political realm fine, but maybe, just maybe, in doing so, we've gotten consumed with the subject, and we've perhaps even gotten rather high-minded with our theology to apply it to the realm of civil authority, and it's distracted us from the simplicity that is in Christ, and perhaps with that, 
We have fallen victim, as many do and have, all the way back to the Old Testament, of relying on the government to take care of us. Isn't it funny? We conservatives, we denounce the big government father, mother figure. Like, we need their help. We need, if the government doesn't help, what will we poor people to do? And we lament, don't tell us what to do, government. And yet, perhaps you and I, by spending so much time in that realm, not turning our eyes to Jesus, but turning our eyes to Washington, D.C., have grown to depend on the government to make sure that we're safe. And when it doesn't appear that the right people are in office, we are fearful. Either way, is it possible that we have lost the simplicity that is in Christ Just reading our Gospels, not only we don't want to fall in another ditch because as soon as all you do is just, we just talk about Jesus, talk about, so everything has to be about Jesus. Well, no, then you get weird that way too. There are other ologies to study. My point is there is a simplicity in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul says something shocking. Now we really live. What was it that caused him to really live? Was it an election of a better emperor? No, it was not. Was it the economy? No. He said to the Thessalonians, you're under persecution. You stand strong. You keep the faith. And now we really live the knowledge that fellow believers that he had introduced to Jesus Christ, if they stay faithful, that causes him to go, yeah, now we really live. Why? Because the apostle Paul kept the simplicity that is in Christ, and he kept turning his eyes upon Jesus and looking long in his wonderful face. That is how we really live. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. So we begin today with news that will do absolutely nothing to change Todd's mind about his poor life choices, but it is news that should be celebrated nonetheless. For the eighth consecutive year, Chick-fil-A has led all restaurants on the American Customer Satisfaction Index. Chick-fil-A, and I think everyone would agree with this, has the best customer service, hands down, out of not just any restaurant, but any business period. They're the most efficient, they never mess up your order, and they're just so stinking nice. I mean, honestly, they're so pleasant, they could mess up my order and I would just take it. But change Todd's mind about Zaxby's? Nope, this won't do it. He'll continue eating his subpar chicken. California Governor Gavin Newsom has created a 4th of July ad urging Floridians to move to California because Florida has banned books, restricts speech, and makes it harder to vote. And California is still free. Yeah, he said all of that with a straight face, and he really looked like he even believed what he was saying. But we all know the truth of the freedom they actually had in California during COVID. And his accusations about Florida are in response to Governor DeSantis protecting children, protecting female sports, and protecting voting integrity. But truth, that doesn't matter these days. And speaking of those on the left, they've done much to spin the narrative on so many issues in this country. And when you look at honest, genuine research, you typically find that the majority of Americans oppose what liberals push. Take males competing in female sports, for instance. A new study from NPR reveals that Americans oppose males competing in female sports by more than two to one. 
And that's vastly different from the numbers that the media tries to force on Americans. But the reality of the situation is, no matter which side of the aisle you typically vote on, most Americans know right and wrong, and biological males competing in female sports is just wrong. Nearly a month after an attack on a church in southwestern Nigeria, the number of those killed in that attack and the identity of the assailants still remain unclear, though recently the church that was attacked held a funeral service for over 40 victims. Of course, Nigeria led the world in the number of Christians killed for their faith last year. They also led in the number of Christians kidnapped last year. And in the category of church attacks, they trailed only China. In the 2022 World Watch list of countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian, Nigeria jumped to seventh place, its highest ranking ever. And as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are continuously praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Names of God One name the Bible gives to God is the Greek word despotes, which means absolute ruler. Despotes is related to the English word despot. As absolute ruler, God has ownership rights over all mankind. Yet our Master and Lord Jesus Christ became a man, suffered and died on the cross for his people. The absolute ruler is also our example of ultimate humility. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Have you lost the simplicity that is in Christ? This is Wretched Radio. Christians are not supposed to be dodos. We are not to be disengaged, living in a monastery, separate from the world. No, Jesus did not pray that we would be removed from the world, but that we would remain in the world to bring his good news to the nations to be salt, to be light, that others might know the simplicity that is in Christ. And in our day and age, wow, ain't it easy to lose simplicity. Bombarded with sophisticated technology, gadgets, gizmos, a million sermons, all of them good, by the way, all of them good, taking us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and yet, We can lose the simplicity that is in Christ. That is what Paul was very jealous about with the Corinthians. I don't want you to lose that simplicity. Don't be hoodwinked. Uh, don't, Don't get lost in the shuffle. Whether it is with a wrong form of Jesus, which is what happens when you fail to remember the simplicity of Christ, don't lose it. Stay there. Now, let's consider the different type of Jesus that Paul was worried the Corinthians would embrace, and it might look shockingly relevant. Who were the people that were threatening the simplicity that is in Christ with the Corinthians? Judaizers, legalists. They, they, were, they were the ones who brought the law back into the gospel. And you say, well, well I, don't, I don't think that I'm guilty of that, am I? Well, No, probably not exactly like that, but maybe sort of like that, that we go about the business of making sure that we are working hard, being obedient, all good, all right, all correct, but we're not just loving Jesus. We're we're working hard, and that's good, 
but we've turned our eyes away from Jesus and we aren't just loving him for who he is and what he has done for us. Then there were the Greek Gnostics, the philosophers, the dualists, the high-minded philosophizers. And I wonder if you and I don't, in a form, get attracted to that too. We love big words and big teaching. Good debates on supralapsarianism and infralapsarianism, bring it on! Cool, good, right, appropriate, proper. And yet... We forget about the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Would you say that you really live if you discovered that somebody in church that you hadn't seen for a long time had been remaining faithful? Would that float your boat? Would that just be like, wow, yeah. Maybe it's a kid that you taught Sunday school to. He was in eighth grade, made some sort of profession of faith. Uh, The family moved. It's been years, years, and you bump into the kid, and whether he's got a wife and kids or not, let's just say that he does, and you are so glad to see that person because you have fond recollections, and you ask, because this is a good question to ask, are you, are, are you walking in the simplicity that is in Christ? And he goes, I love Jesus. I, Man, what you taught me, it just set, it just set my feet on the path, and, and he's kept me walking. He's been a lamp. He's been a light for me, and I'm walking with Jesus. Would you just be thrilled? I mean, like, totally pumped up. That's what Paul was like when he talks about the Thessalonians. If you keep the faith, now I'm really going to live. Now I'm really living because I know that you're walking in the truth. That was his, yeah! Why? Why? Was Paul aware of what was going on in politics, I think as aware as he could be in the first century. Did he know what was happening with the economy? Of course. He had coins. He had had to pay money for trips and travel, lodging, food, clothing, shelter, all of it. He knew what was going on. Did he understand the zeitgeist? Yeah, he did. He, He didn't just go to podunk places. He went to major metropolitan areas. And he was aware of what was going on. And yet... When he told the Thessalonians, if you stay in the faith, now I really live. Why? Because that was his everything. Let me imagine with you just for a moment. I go to the newspaper. Here I am. This is the newspaper. Oh, wow. Look at this. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, the country of Fluffnarbia, it looks like they just had an election and a really bad dude just took over in Fluff Narbia. How would you feel? You'd go, well, first of all, I'm not exactly sure where Fluff Narbia is, but that's a bummer. And then away you'd go. Off to your off to your day. But here a really bad dude gets elected and we are in a panic. Now, Let's make sure that we don't fall in a ditch of just pretending nothing bad could possibly happen. That is wrong, too. I just see the, the, the ditch whiplash constantly in Christianity. We're aware of this stuff. We know who's been elected. But we get consumed by it. You didn't in Fluff Narbio. Why? Because it was like, well, you know, it didn't affect me. 
But when it affects us, then all of a sudden, it can become all-consuming because it threatens us. Now, just imagine if we could transport Paul from the first century to today. Do you think that he would be terrified of what's going on? Or might he bump into somebody who has remained in the faith and would he have the same attitude that he did with the Thessalonians? Now he's really living. What was perhaps the difference between Paul and you and me? I think it's his focus. I, I, I think it was his what, what, what his passion was to see the church of Jesus Christ built, that kingdom, that spiritual kingdom, grown, And so it was when his churches held fast, he was just thrilled because that was his priority. Now, interestingly, Paul didn't just preach the gospel. Paul also worked in the marketplace because he had to provide for himself, or at least he chose to provide for himself because he didn't want to be a burden to different churches. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. So Paul was working in the world. We can work in the world. You and I can have families. We can raise our kids. We can do all of the things that Paul did. And yet, maybe the difference is he really lived because his priority remained the simplicity that is in Christ. When he came preaching to the Corinthians, what did he preach? Nothing but pneumatology ecclesiology, soteriology, no, nothing but Christ and him crucified. Now, that does not mean for a second Paul had no interest in those other ologies, clearly because he wrote about them. And you and I don't want to become kind of weird, geeky, out-of-balance Christians. We continue to study all of the stuff that we study. It is good and it is right, and we need that. If all we we say, okay, all we're, all we're just going to do is we're just going to Focus on Jesus and nothing else. Hold on. Then, then, then we've not understood simplicity that is in Christ. Well, the message is simple. The foundation and the basics are simple. And yet, there are other things involved, like the Trinity. So that is a part of what is in Christ, too. We don't abandon those things because let's say that we did and we never studied the Holy Spirit. I promise you, you're going to become a legalist, lick, lickety-split. You think you're doing it. You're staying with the simplicity that is in Christ, and you don't realize it's the power of Christ in you. So we need to keep studying all of the ologies. And yet, the simplicity that is in Christ must stay in the foreground. Let me ask you a question. When you read an article, when when you read a book that's Christian, and you know the indented stuff means that that's a Bible verse, and you see that it is, for instance, about um, the wise and virg- uh, the wise and the foolish virgins. Do you go, oh, I got that one, and you just skip right over it? I wonder if that isn't a bit of a sign that it's like we know this stuff. I, I got this stuff. I've heard these stories. I know that Jesus with the little children on his knee. Yeah, feeding the people with the loaf, the bread, and the fish thing. Yeah, I got that. Just move on to the more sophisticated stuff. Careful. You don't want to lose the sophisticated stuff, but you don't want to lose the simplicity that is in Christ. Furthermore, the simple lifestyle that is in Christ, the business that we are to be about, the things that we are to enjoy, 
not as monks, not enjoying the every perfect and good gift that comes from the Father of Lights. No, but we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of the simplicity that is in Christ. And I'm just wondering for me, and maybe for you, if that's why we currently have a bit of the heebie-jeebies. We've taken our eyes off of the Savior just too much. We've perhaps taken the old, old stories for granted. Maybe. So that you and I can really live. It is time for us to let these tough times point us back to the simplicity that is in Christ. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Have you ever wanted to break bread with Todd? If so, you probably shouldn't. The guy chews with his mouth open. But let me tell you about our newest production here at Wretched. It's called Breaking Bread, and Todd sits down with a special guest each quarter to discuss pertinent issues Christians are facing. Guests like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ray Comfort, Tim Challies, and others. Those guys were selfless, and they sacrificed themselves for you. They sat down and broke bread with Todd so you don't have to. You'll be able to view a brand new Breaking Bread each quarter totally free on the Wretched YouTube channel. Hear topics like racism, aging and dying well, shepherding a child's heart, the fear of evangelism, how not to be a discernment jerk, and more were all discussed on Breaking Bread, which is another production made possible by our gospel partners. To learn more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, just visit wretched.org slash donate. And to learn more about Breaking Bread, visit wretched.org slash breaking bread. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people across small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine, continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids' clubs where they can, and because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer, and of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 325 AD. The Council of Nicaea was called to address debates perplexing the church. 
primarily concerning the nature of Jesus. The Nicene Creed was drafted and is still one of the standards of orthodoxy among Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Story time! Followed by story time. Todd, you know we have plurals. This is Wretched Radio. From For the Church in Ancient Israel, when a man and a woman were to be married, they first were bound by a year-long betrothal, during which the husband and wife were legally joined. But the marriage was not consummated. Everyone knew when the year was up, the groom would, with much fanfare, return to the bride's home and take her with him to the house he had prepared for her. No one knew when the groom would return. It was his father who gave the go-ahead. And while the bride waited, she readied herself. She kept her bags packed and her lamp ready to go with an ample supply of oil. Unpreparedness would have implied complacency and lack of honor to the groom. For the couple, the betrothal year was spent in joyous and eager anticipation. That's a fact. That was the marriage custom in first century Israel. And that is the bridal paradigm that Jesus used to describe himself and his bride, the church. He has gone away for a year, but he is going to return at the Father's good pleasure when everything has been made ready. What needs to be made ready that every single person God desires to save gets saved? That would be your second Peter 3, Rexella, that Jesus is saving souls until the Father says, that is everyone that I have given to you. Then he is going to return with the blast of a trumpet to gather together the bride of Christ to be presented as a gift to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, where we will go to live in the Father's house and enjoy him forever and ever. That's the marriage paradigm. When the the end times, it is shockingly similar to what happened in first century Israel marriage. Oh, which came first? God's plan. And then he made sure that marriage looked like it so that people could get it. God didn't use marriage as an institution to go, you see, it's sort of like that. No, 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 no. He concocted marriage so that it resembles the reality of Jesus Christ gathering together his bride. We are the bride of Christ. And that brings us to another story about the ten virgins. Matthew chapter 25. You know it. Some of them kept their lamps trimmed. They were ready. They were waiting. He's coming back. He's coming. Keep the, keep the light burning because it's dishonoring to him if we're not ready. Five of them, lazy, didn't, ran out of oil, didn't take the time to replenish it. And guess what? The bridegroom returns, and he is not pleased with those who have not kept their lamps lit. The lamp, if you will, that is, that's the external stuff that we do. The lamp itself. So the religious things that you and I participate in, going to church, reading our Bibles, praying before meals, teaching our kids, doing quiet time, 
trying to obey the Ten Commandments, but the oil, faith, hope, love, it, it, it's, it's the thing that keeps us burning. It is, it is trimming an empty lamp is foolishness, just like empty religion is foolishness. You can do all the religious trappings, but if the oil isn't there, well, then you're actually not even burning at all. You're, you're deceived. And so we need to keep our lamps trimmed. How? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16, 25. We need to live for Jesus. Question yourself. What are you living for? I know we're busy. Family, kids, I get it. Especially certain seasons, you're busy. But even as we are, are we living for Christ? How's about now? In this year, when we're all a little bit concerned about what's going on with politics, are we living for the realm of politics? Or are we living for Jesus Christ? You ask you, I ask me. Faith is the oil. Nourishing habits that produce an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things unseen. Hebrews 11.1. By the way, you want to, want to be reminded about how great Jesus is? Read Hebrews. The book is, is staggeringly focused on Jesus Christ. We have a tendency to forget that because there's so much theology in the book of Hebrews. Don't do that. Do you remember in the book of Hebrews, it talks a lot about angels? There was angel worship going on. Why? Because the Jews were a bit fascinated with angels. Why? Because they were there at creation. Don't know exactly how that looked. But nevertheless, they were there at creation. So the Jews thought the angels are a pretty big deal. They were there at the delivering of the law. That's a pretty big deal. So what did they, what did they do? They focused on angels. They knew that angels were involved in patrolling the earth, being God's messengers, representing God regularly to speak to people. And so it was in the first century the author of Hebrews, Bob, was writing to them to say, angels, yeah, wow, they're amazing, but you're too focused on them. Why? Because Jesus is better than angels. As cool as they are, Jesus is so much better. Jesus is so much better. When we preach through Hebrews, don't lose that simplicity that is in Christ. Focus things on Jesus, not contorting them to get there. But always remind us that he is the preeminent one. He's the best one. It grows our faith. Assurance of things that are hoped for. Three, your oil, love. How, how, how can you be ready when the bridegroom returns? How can you not be distracted with political cares? The worries about the stock market, perhaps? Retirement, social security, packing the court? We love we serve. We help. When people are hungry, we feed them. When they're in prison, we visit them. In other words, we, we get back to doing the things that we can do. Just ask yourself the question, how much are you loving people when you are spending another day concerned about what's going on in Washington? You're not. You're, you're distracted from the simple things. And your, 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 your lamp isn't getting trimmed. These are the things that we are supposed to be doing. Before Jesus comes back, we should be studying him, thinking about him, 
longing for him like the bride would long for the bridegroom, keeping the light ready because sometimes the bridegroom would return in the middle of the night, wanting to be ready. I have not forgot thinking about you. I'm not distracted. I'm not busy in other realms. I'm getting my house ready. I'm getting myself ready. I am preparing for the return of the bridegroom. May I ask you a question? How have you been treating church lately? It's really tricky. You've got to be careful. The blessings of having a lot of sermons on the internet, podcasts, cool, all that stuff, rock on. But do you love the local assembling of the saints? Love it. Is it, a, is it kind of a centerpiece of your life? Do you just do it? Or do you love being there so you can love with other believers, so that you can talk about the faith, so that you can be living with other people who are living for Jesus Christ? Hmm? If you're fretful and worried these days, ask yourself, your attitude toward the church might be the cause, or at least a cause of it. Hope is another form of Christian oil, an eager anticipation of the kingdom that is coming when Christ returns. That's our home. That's our kingdom. When you got saved, it it wasn't just so that we could study the Ordo Salutis. Cool, good, love it. Seriously, I do. I love it. We're not throwing theology away today. But we should be studying these things so that it increases our hope, our longing, and our knowledge and security that Jesus is coming back. He's currently preparing a place for us, and he's going to come and get us when the Father determines it is time. And in the meantime, I know that everything is exactly on schedule, and I am at peace. Another form of oil, reality. What is true? Pondering what is important. Does your life reflect your belief in the reality of heavenly things? Is your mind consumed with Christ? Now, again, we want to be careful. This doesn't mean I can't do my math, mom and dad. I'm consumed with thinking about Jesus. Let's watch our ditches. But have we lost him as the preeminent one? in our lives, ruling every area, not just because it's a better way to live than the pagans, not just because it perhaps has better outcomes or we just dig it, but because we love the one who told great stories like the parable of the ten virgins, the good Samaritan, the lost sheep. If perhaps... The concerns of this world have consumed you. Perhaps it's time to trim our lamps and keep our eyes focused on the bridegroom who is coming soon. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.